Warning, it is the opinion of the Forestry Productions LLC and the Working Perspectives podcast that we should inform you that some of the language used in this recording could possibly be considered offensive. You have been warned, so if you decide to listen to the recording, then don't complain about the language. Hi, hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, live real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by the end of posse of J-Dub Justin Richardson, Strong Stem Steve Cabot, and Eze Eric Zeblum. J-Dub, part two of Eze. How you doing, my man? Doing good. I'm excited. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> Strong stem part two of EZE. We knew it was going to happen. It's too much. It's too much goodness for one show. What are you thinking, my man? What I'm thinking is I probably shouldn't be on here because there's enough North Wales and I got two other guys that ride hard for us. Two of my might as well be my little brothers. Yeah, I mean, what am I doing here? What the fuck am I doing? Hey, man, you're supposed to be here. We ride together, fam. That's this show, bro. Nice. So, all right. Well, in case you guys are wondering, you can find all our stuff and all our content on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can have us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can join us on the Twitter and the Tiki Talk at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. And please just get her to leave me the hell alone. Like and subscribe so my wife stops beating the shit out of me for doing the show. All right. Let's get this thing started. Let's go. It's our objective. To be effective by voice in societies, working perspectives, exploring your day and how you get paid, launching a new episode every Tuesday. Your day can transform while we inform with new episodes available on every platform. So check out. All right, so we're back for part two of the Eric Zeblum experience. It looks like, I mean, this is the third end of guy to get a, a, a two part series on this show. I don't know what we got going on. I mean, Brandon's been Listen, on twice. Nobody's life is not complicated in North Wales, all right? Everyone's gone true. through some shit. You it's, know what I mean? It's true. It's very true. Uh, but nice. So we're back with part two of EZE. I'm going to get right into it. So from where we left off, we told the story of the, uh, the poison ivy all over and uh, one question the, the listeners did want to know this uh eric sorry to sorry to do this but you, yep. you uh you whacked it when you had poison ivy you whacked it didn't you you, you had the poison ivy whack are you asking <laughs> if that was the source of getting poison ivy there no i think i mean it, that could have been but i think when you had it down there you could not resist like all the scratching you're just like i'm 17 i'm just gonna whack just gonna fucking get the demon out of it hell yeah no, I don't think I, I was miserable. It I was think that I bad. Couldn't of, fucking whack. Are you fucking? No, nah, we weren't. We weren't. Our, my mind was not there. I was, there was a lot of anger. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fury. 
Right. But it was not. Uh, we we talked on dealt uh, with like that. Yeah. You can jerk out a lot of pain. You can jerk out a lot of anger. You can Agree. jerk out a lot of hate. You can not really jerk out a lot. But you can't not jerk poison out poison ivy. ivy. Exactly. Nope. Exactly. Well, yep. Every, you know, every uh, every dog has its day. <laughs> there you go. Nice. So, okay. So let's keep it going. So you, after leaving McDonald's and, you know, that you weren't long for that one. You ended up working at- He was Sen- sad. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. Working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Took a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd that 13-year-old go that used to work? <laughs> yeah. I need him to go get me a pack of cigs. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so honestly, yeah. at that time, we probably just didn't show up. Like, like I said, like a bunch of us worked there, and it was just like we just phased out. We we're like, all right, see, we're going back to eighth and church. Uh, you know, dude. Andrew Mitchie had McDonald's dollars anyway. Dude, that's the worst day of the fucking manager smoking heater's life when you guys didn't show up. Legit, the worst day of his life. I think Trav rocked out longer than anybody, but Trav had a Hell really yeah. good work ethic when he was younger. Because like, you know, Trav was Trav was at Papa John's like when before Papa John's <laughs> blew up. That's how we got the name Papa Skip It. Papa Skip It. But um, but he had a really good work ethic. So I think Trav was the last one for to leave. Right, the, uh, right, right. But dude, you can't. I mean, li- working at McDonald's long term—that's a recipe for disaster. Some people would say. So, but you know, everyone has to have a job. Everyone has to do those a thing. People suck that say that. Fuck that. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude. Hey, man. At least they're working. You know. So God bless them. Yeah, respect. respect. So okay, so then from McDonald's, you leave there and you would go to Center Point Pond. Am I right? Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah, and, and I don't know if this is necessarily the the order of which these jobs right. occurred, but okay. I do know. Uh, so Center Point Pond is located over in like Center Point down uh, Valley Forge Road, um, like Skip um, Back area. Yeah, Skip yep. Back. Yeah. Um, so what it is, uh, there's a pond there that's stocked with fish, like bass yeah. and koi and all kinds of stuff, um, and then they also sell. Uh, like if you have a, pot, a pond in your backyard, they sell like equipment. So like pumps and the fish and the plants Variators. and stuff like that. Um, the other thing is th- that's really cool is people can actually go there and fish. So part of Bro, my right. job, it's one of those paid things, right, Bart? Yeah, part of part of my job, and Kevin worked there with me too, was that we would uh, like we would train people, we would like talk to people and educate them on pond life and fishing and right. stuff like that. Yeah. So there would be, right. um, there would be uh, special needs. People would go there and fish. You know, they oh. might do like a, a little, a little thing there. It was awesome. Uh, little kids would have birthday parties there. We'd be able to teach them about <laughs> the pond life too. And nice. then actually uh, like elderly people would go there as well. Like yeah. they would be in the, like a wheelchair or something. They would come to the pond, they would fish. We'd let them catch, you know, so, so all of them, uh, we would walk them through the process of like fishing and educate them on that. And then, uh, yeah, and unlike, unlike anywhere else, the Zeppelin family, when I say might as well be their last name, might as well be dance. All three of the Zeppelin brothers can fish like any human you've ever met. They will dominate the fishing game. So these people were getting the great, this is like <laughs> going to pet crocodiles and Steve Irwin is your fucking tour guide, right? Oh, for like the it's... Zeppelin brothers to be able to, to be any one of them. I don't care if it's Alex, uh, Eric, Kevin, any one of them is your guide for fishing. Oh, you in for the real deal. So is fishing that big of a deal in your family? Oh Asian? my God. Really? Yeah, so it was a huge bonding thing between um, us and our dad, actually, who, who I mentioned oh, okay. on the last show. That's awesome. So 
like yeah. one of the one of the core things that we used to do with him like when, when we would be seeing him and stuff when we were younger was uh we would do a lot of fishing yeah. and uh it was just embedded in us like you know we just yeah. go fishing with dad we went all over the place knock a mix and green lane all these places yeah. um so it's a huge part of our life my older brother kevin is still a huge uh really big into fishing your cousin um, is do you think that like there's like maybe like a connection of like a long like you know like when you are fishing it's like a like a remembrance of a father figure kind of, of thing course. and like 100 percent yeah of course yeah 100 yeah. yeah. it's yeah. like impossible for me to go fishing and not think of my dad and like that's also a bond yeah. that that kevin that me kevin and alex have um yeah and it's like an unspoken sure bond that we have and uh i mean there was a lot of like we didn't get into this but like all throughout our early childhood um like we would have birthday parties at ralph stover state park yep so we would like so ralph stover state park is uh on on the border of like new jersey and pennsylvania and there's okay. like cliffs some people used to do the cliff the, the climbing there and stuff like that but ralph stover you said ralph yes. stover state park okay yeah okay um, so you're there you're having birthday parties right yeah and and i mean my mom would like take us to a park and she'd be like all right go ahead and we would just be gone. And then even when we were in Hatfield, like me, I remember going with Kevin, like we would just literally go into the middle of like a stream or whatever body of water we thought had fish in it. And we would just go <laughs> and try to find pockets of water and fish like all over the place. Um, and then it's funny because when I got older, I started to experience like, like we would catch snapping turtles and stuff. But then like, as I like got into my adulthood, I started to realize like, I can't believe that we never got bit by a snapping turtle or snake, like, but we called them. Like I used to catch snakes. Like Kevin would love the fish, like with the pole. I was like, I'm going to net something. I'm going to get like, a, frog, a snake, anything. And I would catch like, I caught one time we were camping. I caught a copperhead and I didn't oh know it was a copperhead. Bro. We were, at, we were at Fern Ridge campground and we were at Fern Ridge campground. We were younger. So again, we're like camping and my mom would just be like, whatever. Like she just knew. Like we She's were like, go in the woods, fucking and this survive. Like up in the, up and in remember the to take the woods. This is the Poconos. Yeah, this is yeah. the fucking Poconos. We're like so you're 10, in like the forest. We're like 10, 11. So like me and Kevin did not care. Like me and Kevin were out. Like, pew, see yeah. ya. Yeah. And, uh, and we were out one time and, I'm, and, and I was with my younger brother, Alex. And there was a baby snake. So like Steve Irwin was like big crocodile hunter and stuff. Like that. Imagine. So I'm joking around and I always caught snakes. So like I was very comfortable around a snake, around a, even a snapping turtle stuff. Because like you're a, a human mongoose, but whatever. Go ahead. Keep going. And, uh, so there was this baby snake and it hasn't like, so uh, fun fact, baby copperheads don't develop their patterns and everything until they're a little bit bigger. Like you can't really- I don't know if that's a fun really just... fact. That's kind of scares the shit out of me. It's like I'm picking up a gardener. I'm about to nah. get bit by a diamond. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you the fun in it. All right. So I, I'm, I'm playing around with this snake. And to me, I'm thinking like Northern water snake, like no big deal, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I literally have this baby snake and I'm like, look at its fangs. Like I'm joking. It's, <laughs> it's like an overly aggressive baby snake. And I'm like, man, I'm like this. And I pull it straight. Right. So like, I'm, I'm like noted. Okay. Baby snake. You're a little feisty. Aggressive. And, uh, so Alex and I, it's like, cool. I caught a snake. Alex and I were uh, at Fern Ridge and we're like away from all the cabins and the campground and everything. So we put this in like a styrofoam bait bucket. And we take it back up to the camp, right? So we have a cop, a baby cop, <laughs> unbeknownst to us. 
in this thing and we're taking it back up to the camp and everybody from like my mom used to go camping with like these big groups of like other families mm-hmm. and they're all like oh let's see it oh cool and a, a park ranger comes up and i'll never forget that i must have been like 11 10 and he's like oh like he comes he's like oh my god who caught this snake and uh, <laughs> Like, why would you bring that here <laughs> and we're like what we're like what's wrong and he's like that's a copperhead he's like put the lid on he's like steps back and he's all angry and um and he so he tell he proceeds to tell me he's like go go get rid of it i'm thinking like oh okay you're the professional you're gonna take it he was like i'm not touching that he's like you go take that wherever you found it from. he's like get that far away from the campground and i was just like all right Pussy, whatever. This is my pet snips. And then yeah. and then and then my younger brother's like, it almost bit him. He's <laughs> to be Steve Irwin. I'm like, Alex, shut the fuck up. You know like a mean? park, a park ranger but, dork. Watch this. And yeah. and baby, baby copperheads. <laughs> baby copperheads have plenty of venom to kill oh, you. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Real quick. Yeah. So and we would I would have been screwed. It would have been over. Dude. I, could you imagine your mom like she gets this campground and she's just like fucking go if you survive great if not one less mouth to feed you know they what really i mean testing like, that yeah. whole survival thing though oh we were good sure. man me if it was just me and kevin i'd never flinch we were cool we were getting back but if we alex is alex is three years younger so yeah. you know he was yeah, a liability yeah, yeah. he could yeah. be a liability yeah. yeah we'd have to leave him dude i remember one time <laughs> i was at i was at nakamixon state park and i was fishing with my dad and we would go to this spot. It was like under the bridge that like there's this like bridge you'd have to cross before you would like it went over like the river that fed into the lake. And we'd have to cross it before you get to like, you know, like the campground area and the pool and all that stuff. So like we would park there and get out and go under the bridge and fish. And I remember like I was going along and there's these like big rocks and I just see this snapping turtle that was huge, right? Like Dude, this thing is probably like maybe like, you know, like 14, 15 inches long, maybe like a foot wide. Like it was massive, had spikes all over it. (laughs) I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I tried to catch it with like the fish net. You know what I mean? Like the net you get. Oh, dude, he was like, dude, he I was like, these things are slow. I could take care of it. It fucking and I was like, "Ah, ah, ah," you know, dude. And like the mouth was like, I was like, yo. Yeah, it would bite my finger clean off. I was like, yeah, yeah didn't work. But I watched way. when we were young, we caught, we used to live next to, um, so when we had first moved to Hatfield, we lived next to uh, Hatfield Meatpacking. So if anybody remembers Hatfield yeah. back in the day, there used to yeah. be a light blue farmhouse to the right of where the trucks used to park. So that road yeah. that, that now has like Dunkin' Donuts at the top of it and cuts into Hatfield Meatpacking. Yeah, that used to run all the way through, and we used to live in a light blue farmhouse. I think it was like three hundred years old. It was part of the Underground Railroad or something crazy like that. I think. Jesus, you and your um, fucking historical houses over here. Yeah, and and don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure there was something going on. I remember hearing and look, I don't know, so maybe someone was fucking with us when we were kids, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that was like a historical house. It was super old, yeah. and uh, that pond next to it had like all the Hatfield meatpacking runoff, and there was like an infestation of snapping turtles and when we were young so i'm in like third grade when we lived there uh i remember seeing we, we took a broomstick and it's right in here Shut the right in here and i took note i was like oh okay i was like, how right. big how big and was I caught, the turtle not that big less than a and foot. it's still fucking right in half the bird oh yeah big yeah snapping turtles are no joke they get 100 they're taking they're taking your finger right off 
Oh. Easy. Like, even the baby Dude. ones will hurt you bad. Really, really yeah. bad. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Damn, that's fucking scary. Yeah, fishing dude. was a huge well, part, a huge yeah. part of our life. Hold on, while he's doing the fishing thing, I got one more interesting lead-in for him to explain. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna build it, and then I'll let him tell the actual story. So there was a in North Wales, we had a large uh, manufacturing company that was uh, called Leeds and Northrop, right? Giant property now it's owned by Merck Sharpen or Merck, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world, right? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It was a large abandoned building when we were growing up, so it was like a fucking party spot for us, right? Yeah. But they had this old pond out back that obviously all the North Wales kids we went in there to smoke weed and break windows and do dickhead shit, right? Yeah. The Zeblums went there to fish, right? Because mm-hmm. they had this pond. They didn't care about the dickhead shit, even though the dickhead <laughs> shit was fun. Fishing was more of their thing, right? Yeah. So they go to go fish. And while we're fishing, we find this mysterious little liquid. Yeah. So, Bart, go from there and explain to what happened when you told your teachers and what they found out. Is this like the fucking the secret of the ooze kind of thing? Give me give. What's Uh, going on? Pretty close. It might have to deal. I mean, maybe that's why we're extra athletic. (laughs) It's uh, it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's why you guys are so humble. It was like it was mercury. So Shut we were the sitting there fishing. <laughs> it was just a oh, puddle of mercury. Pile. We're like, oh, this is so cool. Look at it. We're playing with it. Trying and to touch like it, that. it moves. Yo, that pond, I'm pretty sure that pond had like a large amount of mercury in it because I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin caught a fish out of that. And it was like a silver fish. And I don't mean like a bass silver. Like this is like I've been swimming in a chemical my whole life, silver fish. It was like Ew, a bizarre fish that, that Kevin caught. Yeah, dude, it was a weird little pond behind a large like Bro. manufacturing company that put a lot of their waste into this little like fucking oh. hole. Now, when Merck bought it, they covered it up and filled it in and got rid of all the water and all dude. that shit. But I'll never I... forget going back and telling one of the North Wales Elementary School teachers about this yeah. mercury. And them losing their fucking marbles. Like, <laughs> what were you guys playing with? We were like, yeah, we were going to rub the fish in it and see what happened. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, God, you guys are stupid enough already. Don't be playing with mercury. Golly, go play with it the cheat. Cool, Dude, that's, cool. I would love if that thing would have stayed there and someone like planted tomatoes there and then ate them. And now that's fucking Superman. You know what I mean? Or and now I would have just now died. Three, two, 40. Now I run a three, two, 40. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that would have been the fucking best. So mm-hmm. nice. So, all right. So let's keep it moving. Okay. So you're done. You, you leave uh, the center pond, right? And you're having a good time there. Then you would work as like. Now hold on, Matt. Did you ask him why we left? I don't even know this. Why did you leave? What happened? Okay, with yeah. Pond? What happened with Center Pond? Oh, it was a young asshole and, and irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the owners honest. of that pond are like extremely nice people. Um, I bet. Extremely nice people. Very, very, very nice family. Um, and you know they were familiar with my mom, and and they gave they gave me a chance to work there and stuff like that. But um. You know, I did. I was. I was so. I, I was. I didn't. I didn't have any sense of direction in life or, or accountability and responsibility like embedded in my being. Say less, yeah. cuz. Yeah. yeah I was showing up late and stuff like that, or like calling out. You know, I'm a, a, a teenager and. Uh, Say less. Pretty much, you know, wasn't yep. the ideal way for me to do it, but you know, I was doing the best I could. But they're super nice people, yeah. So that's why I ended up getting fired, or probably like a combination of both. But I mean, they should have fired me probably like 10 times over 
Yeah. Awesome yeah. place though. But really nice. good people. So, okay. So you leave there. Um, how old were you when you left there? Like what age? Uh, maybe 15, 16. So like would like you, had you had already started like experimenting with drugs and things like that at this time and alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got into He's that. from North Wales. Yeah, yeah, we got so, out early. Yeah. You guys <laughs> were starting at like the age of seven. You know, you're like, look, second grade, you should already have a habit by now, guys. Come on, let's go here. <laughs> Our dare, we had a different kind of dare program. <laughs> you guys like, I dare you to do some drugs, you fucking Merc, pussy. Merc, Merc ran the dare program. They were experimenting on us. You know? <laughs> it's like a case study. No, I'm the joking. head I'm chief joking. of police in North Wales was our dare teacher. I'm not going to throw his name out there, but he was the dare teacher. And he was friends with my dad because it was a small community. He used to go fishing on like deep sea things. And I'd see him blazing cigarettes and chugging beers. This guy's fucking wasted. And on Tuesday morning, he rolls into my fucking fourth grade class like, don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink. And I'm like, oh, oh, this weekend I saw you super fucked up smoking two packs. (laughs) Oh, my God. Remember the burnt? They would burn that thing to make it smell like marijuana in the dare program. And North Wales Elementary, this is what it smells like. I don't like. even I, remember that. They would. They would burn this fake thing. Did and it be smell like, like it? I mean, I don't Hell remember. No. From like Hell no. It didn't smell like shit. I don't think it did. Can yeah. we yeah. like leave? Let's see. What did they look? Google. What did they burn? What did the dare program burn to replicate this? Because I remember of, that. And again, yeah. Yeah. we grew up in North Wales where a lot of the older men, <clears throat> Mr. Zig, Big Zig are people with blaze trees right in front of you. So I knew what oh, trees shit. smelled like. Get the fuck out of my face with this bullshit. Yeah, the dare program is fucking silly, yo. <laughs> All right. Trying to recite you that dumbass bear. All right. Are you looking up what it yeah. is? Yeah, I can't I find it. So. They used to, it was like a, it looked like a little like, <laughs> It looked like an thing. incense, kind of. Yeah, like yeah. a little. Yeah. I remember. Shit. I remember hammer or uh, it was hackers lit it. I said we wouldn't say his name. <laughs> Hell yeah, Barry. Yo. Fuck you, faggot. Yeah. What if? What if some little kid was like, "No, it smells like this. Smell my shirt." <laughs> <laughs> no, it smells like this. <laughs> oh man. You got young Chuck D pulls a little sack out of his school bag, like, "Nah, I stole this from my pops." This is what it smells like, cuz. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it doesn't smell like that, guys. It should smell like this. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know what the fucking thing was. So, either way. So, let's keep it moving. So, you had already started, like, experimenting things and stuff like that with drugs. And then you would leave the Centerpoint Pond. And then you started working as a dishwasher. And you would work at a dishwasher, like, at a couple places, kind of all around. And you would do, like this in your early 20s almost so like where were you working as a dishwasher and like and and i'm not trying to say this like there's nothing wrong with being a dishwasher i I, like i've worked at a ton of restaurants and things like that dude those are some of the hardest fucking working guys they have the toughest job they're there they're working the whole time they're there all night that's a tough fucking job and you from what we would you talk about in the pre-show is like you would find some solace in like some kind of comfort in the in the in just doing the dishes and things like that. So oh, you yeah. really kind of like like being a dishwasher and stuff. So where were you working and like how did you like it and like get into it and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I think my first dishwashing job was at Astor Diner. Okay. Um, Hell yeah, Astor Diner. Yeah, 
and uh extremely overwhelming for a young kid to come into like a, a booming diner yeah. right on the outskirts like uh, yeah. on the outskirts of the Merc metropolis and uh you know and and like <laughs> Like I was young and I went in there and tried. So I was like real young when I had that job, maybe like 14 years old when I had that. It might've even been before Center Point Pond. Uh, but eventually I worked for like, uh, I can't even remember, probably like Ruby Tuesdays, like all, you know, Montgomeryville area, uh, all those little restaurants. I would try to hold a job there, but, you know, we kind of touched on it, but my, my, you know, I was involved with like drinking. Like I, you know, I wasn't really experimenting with drugs. I smoked weed and got involved with that, like in, uh, in my like mid teens. And, and also like drinking and stuff like that. It was like a common thing in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but it got, it got the best of me in a way. It didn't get everybody else. But, you know, I would try to work. Like my mom would be like, yo, you should work. My stepdad would be like, yo, you should, get, you should work. So going up through high school, I tried to get a, a job at some of those places. And then um, when I initially went to college for uh, computational science, um, or yeah, I think that's what it was. Okay. I forget. Computer programming, stuff like that. All and right. uh that didn't really work out. So I would just like pick up a random job when I was in, I was involved in other activities and stuff, you know, like just basically partying. Um, but I would be working at these places and, and uh, I was good at dishwashing. It just fit my brain. Like my brain's just like that very quick, clean, get this done. OCD, boom, 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 get it yeah. over with. Hell and, uh, yeah. And we had a little bit of fun, you know, some of, some of my boys work with me, but I never really did it for a long time. Yo, shout out to, I think there's a couple of smoke shows from school that worked at Astro Diner, right? Didn't, did Colette work there and, and Jamie Lauer, didn't they work there? I have zero recollection and I probably worked there for two weeks, so I couldn't tell oh. you. <laughs> I just Got did that him. Like, like my, my, I mean, shout I had, out, those two were both smoke shows, so... Do you remember? Do you remember the vending machine in the bathroom at Astro Diner used to have the used to have like cologne, condoms, and the French tickler. Yeah. Hell I, yeah! We went there when I was like eight years old, and I saw this thing in the vending machine, and I was like, Bought "What it. the fuck is that?" No, I didn't Changed have money. Your life. But Changed from your life. then, I remember being a kid, and anytime like I knew we were gonna go there, I like found quarters. I was like, "I have to, <laughs> I have to <laughs> yeah. know what this fucking thing." He had an is, arsenal right? of them. Yeah, like, I came for hell yeah, J like, It I had a, go to the, it, I was, I think. I think I was like nine. I was nine or ten because like I wasn't even like jerking off yet. Like I had no idea what this thing was, but I just yo. had to buy it. It was like a dollar in quarters. So like yo. I found out we were going there. I like ran, grabbed quarters real quick, hit them in my pocket, went to the bathroom alone, bought it, hit it in my pocket the whole time till I got home. <laughs> and it was it's a condom with like spikes at the head of it. Hell it yeah! Crazy. And I have no idea. I'm in my room blowing now. it up like a big balloon. <laughs> now is that is that is that is that kind of like Pav- Pavlov's law? Was that kind of like the dog salvate when he hears the bell? Like it's built into a young male who hasn't even whacked his dick yet or come to once. No idea he knows he sees some naughty shit on the bathroom wall. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what that is, but I need it in my life. I yeah, need like it in my when, life. We all, when we all saw Doggy Style for the first time, we were all like, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Sign, sign me up. Yeah. Yep, Wherever yep. you do that, I want that. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, fucking, dude. Uh, so just to recap what you're saying, Justin. Shout out Astro Diner. Um, at a diner specialized in breakfast, at a yeah. diner, you could go into man. the men's restroom. And, and get there, the tickler. You get the French there, tickler. There was a vending machine <laughs> that would sell. Yeah, it was like on the wall. <laughs> a vending machine on the wall that sold cologne, 
Yeah, it'd be like that a packet of condoms. Like, shitty cologne. It's yeah, condoms, cologne, like probably like brute or something. I mean, something. it's a triple play. That's a fucking no, triple yeah. play in my mind. Yeah. Shout it's out like a little fan plastic, show listening show. Yeah. It's like a ketchup packet of like uh, aqua oh. Digio. Hell yeah. <laughs> let's go. That's not bad. Shout out Armani. Dude, shout out Armani. Bro, I had some aqua de Gio. I, dude, I still aqua have some. Right now I have aqua. De- I have, like, that Jean shit Paul still Gaudier. hits, Bark. Yeah. Remember Jean Paul Gaudier? That was the fucking gimmick. Jean Paul Gaudier. I do coach now. I'm classic. Polo, polo sport. Sounds corny. I do Yves Saint Laurent. I'm poor. Oh, no. yeah. My, my, I, I guess Europeans cologne is a big thing. So coach is apparently good. So, I mean, my wife bought it. I don't care. Either way. Uh, which one? Which one? Coach Black, the black bottle? Yeah. I have that downstairs. Good cologne. It is good. Yeah, it is. I'm Shout a cologne out. fanatic. So some people love shoes and stuff like that. I have You're a good a shoe guy. collection and stuff, but I love cologne. Yeah. I'm, with like, you, I'm not afraid to go buy. To, I bought like a, a, I think it's like a $280, $300 bottle of uh, Tom Ford. I a stupid Yves Saint Laurent's like 180 uh my buddy's wife works for one of the sub companies. I get the Tom Ford cologne for free. Which Damn, man- Mandarino? Is Tom Ford one. that good? Is that Mandarino? Put it, yeah, in, that's exactly what it right. Put yeah. it in front of your face, yeah. Justin. Oh, I know. I know. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's gone. And now it's back. Now it's gone. Well, I won't work. Your uh, sign behind you is fucking it all up. Whatever. Stupid fucking There you go. There it is. What is that, though? Is that like a deodorant stick? It's a vibrator. That's Tom weird. Ford Cologne. I've what never kind even. Of poor shit. Yo, hold up, Jay. Oh, you a, fucking. Which you eight did you cent, get that from? You eight up. cent cheese slice motherfucker. <laughs> you told us you had Tom Ford Cologne, and you pulled out the aerosol can. You did it, it It's the spray. The fuck are you talking about? It's the all over body spray. Yeah, Tom, that's not the cologne. Tom Ford Noir Extreme no, it's no good for though. men. I have that one. One point seven ounces, one hundred and thirty dollars. Right for like a little gimmick, like a travel yeah. size. The yeah, Tom Ford Tobacco Vanilla for unisex is two hundred and fifty dollars. And three eighty. It's what like is three eighty for the three point four? It's like you and I sex. What do you mean? Like uh, you know, it, you find a girl. It's for the fruits. It's for both <laughs> men and women. <laughs> I think that's three eighty for a three point four ounce bottle of it's that. Crazy, right. insane. Yeah. But wait, there's the cologne that they think a dude would be attracted or I'm confused by this. Hold on. You Girls smell it. one serpent one certain way and dudes smell another way. What is this fucking thing you're trying to explain? It wears me? differently on the, the, the body chemistry is a huge part of, of all kinds of, of cologne. The way it smells, right. Yeah, so like your body, so like when you spray something on one person, it could smell, it could wear differently on another. But there's there's a lot of, of uh, unisex fragrances out there. <laughs> That's the most uh, bullshit think, I've ever heard. What a false nah, advertisement. Full nope. shit. If I smell a broad that smells like a dude, the fuck out of my face. You honey. wouldn't know. Now, if you, I probably, see a f- you wouldn't catch it. If it's an unisex one, you would just be like, oh, that's a decent fragrance. Like, I think Dolce Gabbana light blue. Eric, how are you saying that? No, 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 it's that? not because I have light blue. There's dudes unisex. and there's chick for light blue. It's not unisex. There's a light blue but there for are females and I don't a light know blue like, for men. But yeah, I, light blue is not I was just guessing, but there are there are fragrances that are that are 
Honestly, I fucking hate this new world. You know what? I'm done. I fucking hate this new world with this unisex fucking Honestly, faggot shit. I'm my, fucking out of here. My wife was looking for something to get me for Christmas. I might say get me. Is Tom Ford Noir Extreme? Like, which one's the it, best one? It's so potent, yo. I have a bottle of it. It's like like a half spray. It's the strongest clone I've ever, like, <clears throat> Is it good? Is it, is it good, though? Like, Tom Ford is like a top top one? I've never really expensive. Uh, Sauvage is real good right now. It's S A U V A G. That's the Johnny Depp one. Um, uh, Jimmy Choo Ice is a sleeper. <laughs> Jimmy Choo Ice. What about a little Versace, huh, kid? Versace, the Dreamers, uh, pretty decent. All right. Ooh, what about the vanilla, the tobacco vanilla? From go with it. Yeah, is that a winner? Tom Ford. Tom Ford, right? Tom Ford I'll tobacco vanilla. Is that spo- that's supposed that. to be pretty good? Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So uh, that's uh, that's uh, Cologne talk with uh, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were a Cologne connoisseur, man. I just love it. Yo, I'm, honestly, listen, I'll tell you a funny thing about me. So if I'm out at like the grocery store and this a lady could be like 74 years old, she'll walk by me. I and you sniff them like Joe Biden. No, stop. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, what I will do is I will I will start a conversation with her. I'll say. Oh, that's a beautiful fragrance. What what, what fragrance is that? Shut what are you wearing? Yeah, all the time I do it. Yeah, I'm not afraid. Yeah, I just want to know. I want a database. She's, of like she's smells. probably like, hey, young man, don't fucking smell me. All right, you fucking creep. <laughs> no, how many, like, oh, how many people you so tell much. you to fuck yeah. off? this for 45 years. I'll ask anybody. Ask guys, My husband got me this after he returned t- home from the war. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt said, how many people tell you to fuck off? None. None. Yo, listen, I have, I have, I'm good with people. Nobody's ever said that to me. I know. Yeah, that was people. crazy, Matt. Why do you think Nobody. this world sucks so much? Nobody. <laughs> no. Nobody said, fuck off, you creep, ever. No, no, no. And I'll, and I'll your, ask for people's opinions hairy. when I buy Old Spice, too. Like, if I'm buying the Old Spice deodorant, I'll straight up ask them, I'll be like, excuse me. But like, can you smell this? I'm just curious, like, what you think of this? Yeah, like Wolf Thorn or whatever they got. I like the Wolf know? one. Interesting, yeah. he says Wolf Thorn because the Zeblums are very similar to you, Matt. Where the Zeblums, oh, they have a, a natural sweater. sweater if I, if, oh, you, if you feel what I'm baby. saying, oh, these kids baby. will grow hair. Don't, anywhere. don't, don't you eat it. All right, <laughs> don't you eat it. You want to get in the fucking sweater game with me, Zeblum? <laughs> All right, yeah, pal. I do. I, Steve, I'm tell fucking, him. I'm tell fucking, him what I'll Matt, Matt, I'm Matt, Matt, Listen, listen to me. 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 He's on par with you. He's there. They're on. They're on the same level as you. Hey, us, us bros with back hair. Yes, you guys should together. be on the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. Yeah. I'm not Man. up top here. I have a lower, lower back. Dude, I got it, dude. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The only thing the Zeblum's got, the only thing the Zeblum's got a little bit of leeway with is they got light colored hair where you got jet black. So it shows out real quick. The Zeblum's, you don't notice till you get too close and you're like, holy fuck, you guys are like a Furby. Yeah. yeah, my yeah. leg hair you get it like four inches long. <laughs> oh, bro, were you one of those kids on his legs? Were you one of those kids too? Like I was in, I was, I remember being in first first grade, just having like fucking so much leg hair. And kids being like, what is going on? And I'm like, hey, in first man. grade? Oh, bro. Fucking, bro. You fucking baby bear. What's the matter oh, with you? Bro, for sure. Been having, I've been fucking, dude, just my whole life. My whole life with hair. That's just the story of my life. 
my yeah. whole life with hair. Hey, no, it's I'll a tell struggle. you what, I don't it's, care. It's, it's I mean, you know, if I got to take it here and like, you know, I don't care. As long Matt, as let me ask you something. Have you ever caught your belly hair on your belt buckle? <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Fuck? It's one of the most painful, annoying things ever. <laughs> like when I when I put I've on never beater, heard such wild shit. Listen, when I put on a beater, I make sure like I always tuck my yeah. beater in. So because if my beater uh, have you done this? Have you so uh, have you fucking have you, it's a horrible have you done this? Have you, it's a horrible experience. Have you done this? So this is so I gotta stop. <laughs> so oh. have you done this where you're wearing like like I I'll sometimes if I have like mesh shorts that are too long, I'll fold oh them, God. right? And there's been times where like I'll fold them and like I'll pull a hair while I'm folding the shorts and they get caught in the shorts. Similar, oh. similar experience. Yeah. That's a similar oh. experience. Yeah. I can I also wear breathe. like I can also wear like a oh. beater. A white tee and like a nice Christmas sweater, yeah. and see my ha- chest hair poke out. Oh, if I don't have an undershirt, like, it's through everything. Yeah, like people, people Yo, will be stop. like, be like my, my wife will be like, "Oh, there's a hair on you." I'm like, "Ow, <laughs> it's connected. <laughs> it's still attached." Yeah, no, say like, wild. yeah. It's, uh, it's, if I don't wear an undershirt, it's coming. Yeah, it's just like it's it's coming through everything. Yeah, I used to rag his brother about not wearing sleeves in the winter because he's a football guy, and he'd be at Lehigh in like a college game, and like all the linemen are the tough guys who don't wear shit, but all like the you know the athletes wear like long yeah. sleeves. Or, yeah. or Kevin was like, I didn't wear that shit. I'm like, dog, God gave you a sweater. Yeah, you yeah. didn't have to put anything on. God you gave got you fur a sweater, on, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, dude, it, do you ever, so, uh, I'm a, I'm a Nair guy. I've been through, I've, I've experienced a lot. I will never fucking do the wax again, ever. That, Wait, you did the wax? Dude, yeah, honestly, I literally, like and you lived, it was, and you lived, it was literally torture. It was literally oh. the worst experience of my life. Oh, literally. It was, it, and it was like, my wife was doing it. She's like, I know how to do it. I'll put the oil on, then I'll put the wax on, and it'll be it'll be easy. It'll be so easy. Oh yeah. And it I'm sounds like, easy. I'm like, it sounds All right. very easy. She does it the first time. And I'm just like, because <laughs> <laughs> she legit's like ripping off like a layer of skin because it's so fucking thick. Yeah. That, and I'm like bleeding and stuff. And I'm oh just like, God. I'm like, she's like, just let me try one more. Just let me try one more. You gotta wait for the oils to sink in. And I'm like, what? What? Sinking. My yeah, hair's never sunken. Done uh, I've never done that. I've never done like Nair or something like that. But I've like, you know, when I was like younger, you know, maybe late teens, late teens or like early 20s, I used to try like, oh, like, you know, I want that, that model look. I'm going to shave everything. Hell yeah. And what people don't realize is when that hair grows back, it's so crazy. Like, I'll be so itchy. And it's <laughs> like stabbing through, it's all thick and like bolt. Uh, like, Cause you gotta think of like a tree, like if a tree's growing uh, up a certain thing, like it's a firm yeah. base, like my hair's like poking back through and like putting holes yeah, in the uh, <laughs> It's like, so like whoa, I can't, you can't do like a bare shape. You can He's it like a tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, dude, it does grow back stronger uh, and thicker. Yeah. yeah you can't, you can't it's do like a, a, a shape. Uh, like you just gotta trim. Breathe. 
Bro, plus, plus two, and I will say for I know everyone's really interested in this. <laughs> yeah, I know. My hair is it's so much that I have to fade it, right? Like I have to do a fade <laughs> with my hair. Yeah, I know what you're talking right? about. Like, because I yeah, can't man. just go from like fucking like a lot of hair to nothing. Because then it just <laughs> looks like I have like like I have like fur diapers on my arm. You it's, know what no, I mean? It's like, so crazy you say that. It, that's that's next level. Like, like that's I have you know to, you're really like I have to fade it in like from here. Like wait, I'll leave the wait, chest, wait. but it's the back and shoulders I got to get rid of. Before before that before before like the hot towel at your barber, you're like, yo, listen, I'm gonna lift my shirt up. We're gonna pull this fucking drape up. I need you to shape up my back. And he's like, respect, uh, got you. Steve, yo. So I actually have thought about this because of like my situation. <laughs> Listen, yeah, and Matt. Exactly. Like guys like Matt and myself. So I've yep. actually thought of, and I'm sure that this exists, but an body trimmers, male grooming Hell yeah. place. Like, cause like you can't walk into a barber shop and be like, yo, start, you know, three to start at my, my shoulder leg. blades. But like, <laughs> if you had, if you had an actual place, a male body, like a male body hair grooming. A male grooming. Yeah. A male uh, grooming fucking, like a body. Like I would go live in. There. They say shower here. Use these items. Shower. Yeah. And then someone would come in and, and they, they would just, do their thing. Hey yeah. you, fuck face. Start at my fifth vertebrae. Yo, it's Yo, dude. I, I would pay to do it. For I, 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 dude, I, I would. I would one hundred percent pay for that. You, I would one hundred percent. Dude, I want another I another I want thing 10%. for for guys with hair like me, right? I if I don't have a shirt that has a tight neck and I haven't had a haircut in a while because my barber, former guest of the show, friend of the show, Billy the Barber, Billy the Butcher, Billy. Is this Bicep, the guy who fades your back? Is this the guy who fades your arms? He the, no, I have to do that myself. But like respect back here, right? Like the like from where my neck ends, my back starts. That's <laughs> it's fucking all hair, right? So like if man. if I don't cut it, like he when he knows when he's doing the hot razor on the back. He like pulls my shirt like all the way back. <laughs> yeah, I get a couple inches down here. Otherwise, it's gonna start po- like my back hair will start poking out the back of my shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have, I don't have uh, the upper, but I will get it on my neck. It won't go yeah. on my upper back or nothing like that. Like my back hair is like lower, lower back <laughs> but I don't get the, it. Up there. Yeah, you got the. But it the, does go on my neck a good amount. Back. Yeah, it does go on my neck a good amount. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, that's uh, that was hair talk. Uh, so either way, <laughs> let's keep it going. So, dude. So you're working as a dishwasher. This is also at a time like. So you had mentioned like in high school, and I said this in uh, the B block of episode one. I talked about like when we're in school, like, and you know, like you and me didn't have a ton of interactions, but we had enough where we were like cordial and it would be like, but you would always be like happy and joking around and goofing off and kind of doing your thing and like, just like carefree. But that really wasn't what was going down. High school was kind of like a rough time for you. Can you kind of talk about like the things that were going on behind the scenes while we were in school? Yeah. So before I get into it, I'll just, I want to put this out there that like, there was a lot of pain that I caused a a lot of people, like specifically my family, my friends, my loved ones. Like I have friends that I was really close with in high school that I distanced myself from and stuff like that. Um, So everything I'm about to talk about, like anything, you know, I don't know how deep I'll go into it, but I take it very serious. And, and, uh, and today my life is completely different. And I actually spend a lot of my time trying to work with people that have had similar struggles to myself. 
Yeah. And 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 having experienced a way out of it, yeah. being able to meet them where they're at, which I'm uniquely equipped to do. So yeah. when you've been through certain things in life, you can sit across the table from another person who's been through it and you can convey a message of depth and weight that can actually get through and resonate with that Agreed. person Agreed. in a way. Agreed. hundred percent. In a way that my friends, family, loved ones have tried for years yeah. to do. Right. Yeah. So Agreed. Um, that's 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 like part of this new way of life that I experience now. But hell yeah. In uh in middle school, I struggled with uh, depression yeah. uh, pretty decently. And, uh, you know, I actually got prescribed to Adderall at a very young age. So so oh, something something we didn't touch on was so when I was at Hatfield Elementary, they actually took me. I remember I'm in third grade and they're like, hey, we want to they took me out of my classroom and they took me over to another classroom. And they were like, we want you to try to hang out and play with these kids and see how you like it. And basically yeah. what they were doing was they were allowing a nine-year-old to determine a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old to determine whether or not he wanted to partake in the gifted program. And I'm thinking like, so I just told you a little bit about me. Like I'm thinking these kids suck at dodgeball. They suck at kickball. Yeah. Like they're, they, I, they got, we have nothing in common. I don't want to be here. Yeah. They're so, a bunch of fucking noodles. So I was like, so I, I remember this like very distinctly. And I remember thinking, looking back on it, like, yo, this should not be the child's decision. Like they should just been like, Hey, Eric, yeah. you're excelling in certain areas. Here's your class. hundred yeah. percent. And yeah. then I would have been like, all right, cool. I'll teach yeah. you how to play kickball and dodgeball. Yeah. You know, like whatever. Like you'll and, work uh, with them. Yeah. 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 So that happened mm -hmm. to me. So eventually what happened is I'm, I'm in classrooms with, with people and I'm catching on the, the, the curriculum extremely quick. And then I'm also uh, uh, like Justin was talking about earlier, like how I'm funny and stuff, like moving around a lot, my two ways to fit in with that. Like the first thing I was going to do is be smart and quick witted and, and say something to make people laugh. Because if I can make everybody in the classroom laugh, especially the teacher, we're good. Right. Right. And right. I can identify with that. Yeah. And then I would also do the same thing with sports, but eventually I got prescribed to Adderall and um, it was how like, old were we talking when you're, I was like probably 15 ish, 14, okay. like maybe, maybe yeah. 15, 16. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And they put me on Adderall and I'm already a hyperactive kid. Like I'm yeah. an extremely hyperactive kid. And I wasn't <laughs> sleeping for, for days and days and days. And eventually what happened is I crashed from that and i remember just feeling like extremely suicidal i was extremely depressed um so you know my my mom and my family didn't know what to do with me you know kevin's excelling in sports and all yeah. this other stuff i'm experiencing uh, experimenting with like drinking and smoking weed and uh here i am i'm like overwhelmed and completely depressed yeah. and just in this state of mind where i'm hopeless um so i i went to like uh i think went to like horsham clinic or something like that yeah you know, so they could look at me and like, give me a psychological evaluation, like what's going on with you. And there was yeah. a lot of stuff that I never addressed as a kid and all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, they tried to prescribe me like medications, but again, like I'm drinking on the weekends, maybe on some of the weekdays and, and, and experimenting with other things. And like that combination, that cocktail was not good. So when yeah. I went to school and like my home life got very, so we were talking about my home life, like I caused a lot of chaos and havoc and there was uncertainty and I was just a lot of energy yeah. to be around because of yeah. the way that my mind works. And then also just not being like grounded. Yeah. Um, so like I caused my family an insane amount of pain, like God. to a degree where they were like, yo, like you can't even like, like, you know, I was like 16 and, and like my family's just like, yo, like, honestly, like, please just don't even come here right now. Um, wow. which was crazy because it'd be like my siblings were there and stuff like that. So like, 
some of this stuff is going on and it's, it's kind of a sensitive subject to talk about because my family is so prominent in the, in the area. So, right. you know, it's important for me to like touch on it. Um, but also without putting down anybody or anything like that, like I was just a mess of a human being. Yeah. And um, this was going so, But when I would go to school, the home life wasn't there. Like I didn't have to worry about like anything that was going on at home. And it's like, my friends are my friends. And it's just like, we're going to joke around. We're going to have fun. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really focus or take school too serious. I didn't take sports serious in high school at this point in my life either. Um, but what did, but what did happen is that there, there were like, there were effects produced by drinking and doing drugs and yeah. um, it worked incredibly well, you know? <clears throat> so like it was, it, it worked differently in me than some of my friends. Let's just say that because people weren't drinking the way that I was drinking yeah. and people weren't obsessing over drinking the way that I was drinking. Yeah. Um, and I went down. So as I got out through high school and things like that, I, I went as far down that rabbit hole as you could go. Um, and, and I got into some really dark places as well. I mean, yeah. in high school, I had some, you know, some uh, suicidal uh, situations. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I mean, I put my family in really horrible places um, and it got worse. It got significantly worse um, out of high school. But yeah, in high school, people saw me. I'm happy as can be. I, I loved school. I thought it was great. I loved all my people and stuff like that in my classrooms and stuff. But realistically, I think a lot of, of people that knew me looking at me in high school, they were like, Eric has no, like, I had no sense of direction. There was no yeah. looking at me and being like, yeah, he's going to go to college and like, you know, work, the, like live this regimen life yeah. and, and, and excel. That was not my, my course. That was not my path. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's all fascinating. I mean, I don't know if you got any more questions about it. I kind of skipped over it, but no, I mean, I mean serious, we serious keep... things going on in high school yeah. as far as like that partying lifestyle. And I think it's a huge thing. Like when I see kids now, um, I think it would be great to mentor kids. Yeah. Uh, so anybody's kids that I see that are that age, I try to give them that sense of direction. Um, and, and, you know, I, my life's pretty good right now. And I, I, it's something I keep in the back, in the back of my mind. Like if I get positioned to really reach out to some kids in like a, a deeper way, like a, a more broad scale or something like that, other than just living my life differently, uh, I would love to do it, especially at yeah. that age, you know, with like 12 to, to 18 yeah. when, 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 when men are becoming men um, yeah. and just try to guide them and kind of school them to some of the things that were going on. Cause to me, I was just trying to be cool, you know? Yeah, uh, there were some kids like Steve said in our neighborhood. It was kind of like we had the spot, you know. People went back there and they did their thing. Um, the difference between that and the couple of my 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 friends was that something different was going on in me than was going on in them. They were yeah. like partying, chill, doing their thing. To me, there was like a different thing going on. Yeah. Um, Do you think at so, times like you were living a life of pain and kind of searching for an escape in a way, and like this is where you found it, or? You just wanted to like you're like you said before, one of the things you enjoyed about sports is the constantly challenging yourself and seeing how far you can take it and seeing how far you can go. And was that where you were getting like when you were like getting this fix also? And like I'll tell you, like you're saying with the mentoring thing, I am in a unique position where at the gym, like the kids I teach boxing to, like there's a couple of them that they're younger. And like I do try to tell them, like, look, man you're going to party, you're going to have fun. If you're going to dedicate to this, that stuff, you know, like it'll be, there'll be its time and place, but just don't be a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like, may, like there, you can do that stuff and have fun, but don't be fucking stupid about it. Right. Like do this and don't waste your time doing this and do this kind of stuff. But for you, 
when you're there right like i remember like i know for me especially like in teenage years right like it was tough not to do drugs and one of it is because like like i didn't want to be lonely right like if i wasn't doing drugs i'd fucking have no one to hang out with like everyone's fucking doing shit you know what i mean like it was tough not to right even though like you people are trying to be athletes and stuff like that there was still like no way of getting out of it also also like you know, like you're awkward. So maybe this mellows you out or maybe like a chick will dig it or whatever. Right. But like your self-confidence is so low and like, you kind of need these things that will, I don't know, kind of make you feel, I don't know, more adjusted, more confident kind of things. Like what were you, do you know, like back then, or maybe going forward, like what were you kind of searching for when you were doing this stuff? Um, so like I said before, like I drank, essentially because of the effects produced by alcohol. Like I know that about myself. So like it worked for me. It just worked for me a lot better than it did for other people. So like if I was dead sober and there was a party or a game or something like that. And uh, like when I would drink, there would be a calmness about me. And I was like, this is how every normal human being feels all the time. Right. And in order for me to be here, in order for me to be here, this is what I need. And so like, once I had that experience with it, not even knowing I was having that experience, I just knew it was like, Oh, I like this, you know? And once I had that experience, my mind would obsess over it Yeah. because I was like, Oh, okay. Now I'm I'm a regular human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I can interact with people and genuinely have fun and laugh and smile. So I wasn't, I don't know if it was necessarily an escape. I feel like I was escaped in my norm and that was like a connection. Mm, so it was like a, it was like a, it was like a reverse of like an escaping experience it was more so like once i started like once i drank a little bit i felt connected i felt good like everybody's my best friend i can dance better i can do this better Every, yeah yeah you, know, you, you got better yeah you got some self you got some more confidence to be funny and and make jokes and you're making people laugh right like mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah, yeah, I really, uh, there was a lot of times when I made an ass of myself. Like I said, like I caused a lot of people, like really good yeah. people, um, harm, even just in high school. Like I said, like not even progressing forward out of high school. Um, there was like a lot of good people in my life. And, and we would be in a situation where it was like, oh, we're kids in high school. We're going to have a few drinks. And next thing you know, I'm just, I, I can't really control it. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just doing something a whole different level. And they're like, what yeah. is going on with you? You were the one at the party now, always. Like, like taking it up yeah 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 i did some things like that i that i that i was ashamed of big time you know that i yeah. that were unfortunate where people just kind of distance themselves and it's not because they didn't like me it's because like if i drank i was just gonna do something you know yeah i had a buddy like that who would really push the limits i saw him once he beer bonged 151 he beer bonged nine shots of 151 but bacardi mm-hmm. 151 he beer bonged it twice yeah. Nine shots. So 18 shots total. He beer bonged it. Jada mm-hmm. was there. He knows who I'm talking about. Well, he and- did it once. And then he and we're all like, damn, you shouldn't have done that. And he goes, what? You don't think I could do it again? And we're like, nobody said that. No. And no one wants you to either. And like, <laughs> I remember my brother, Tom, like he just he just kind of upended it into the beer bong. And Tom was like, whoa, before you do this, I want to want you to know what you're doing. And he can't like he legit like scooped them all out. Like all the 151, like, dude, this is nine shots you have in here. And if you, you know what I mean? He's like, fucking let's go. And he did it. And then he would turn into like a noodle. And I remember like, I think Justin, you're like, dude, uh, he's passed out. I was like, just make sure he's asleep on his stomach. So he pukes, he doesn't choke. 
you know what I mean? Like, and then that's what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, and like, you know, like that's kind of like how you were doing like living the game back then. Right. I'm sorry. I was drinking water. It's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had I've had similar experiences. And I'm sure like I'm sure if we asked around, people are gonna be like, Oh yeah, he did he did this. And it wasn't like um so like once I started drinking, it wasn't like a mental thing that I could be like, Oh, this is stupid or anything like that. Like the the craving for more. Is this uh, like a, a switch kind of flip? I had no power against it. Yeah, it's like once once I started drinking, I had no I had no power against like logic or reason or like yeah. uh uh morals or anything like that it was pretty much like yeah the trigger went off it's over and then when i wasn't drinking again like i said i would just obsess because my my brain held it at such a high value my brain was like let's get on let's get on let's get on yeah when are we going to get on we smoke before or after school you know um who's whose parents are going away this weekend yeah who's 21 that i helped me stash kettle one underneath my uh futon yeah futons were big in the late 90s early 2000s Love a good food. There's time. crackhead Danny in North Wales who was ordering <sighs> all of us and would go to the bar and buy us beer. Shout out oh, yeah. crackhead Danny. I'm pretty sure he's dead, but whatever. Shout out fan show, listener show. So <laughs> yeah, I had, I definitely had those experiences and I've had significantly worse experiences as things progressed. Yeah. But in, in high school, I was having those experiences. And as a result of that, I distanced myself from people because they weren't going to let me drink the way I wanted to drink. And they mm. distanced themselves from me because it was hard to watch, you know, it's yeah. hard to be around so okay so then even like you notice you're like did you notice you were having these issues or in high school you're just like ah fuck this they don't know what they're talking about kind of thing um there was only i'm not gonna say a name i mean people like kind of said it to me briefly but like one of my closest friends i won't say his name in high school actually and i'll never forget this he actually uh like had a heart to heart with me Oh, where he shit. was like he was like really upset and he's like dog he's like something's going on with you that's like not he's like there's something different going on with you that you're struggling with yeah and and he didn't know what to do yeah and but he said it to me and i'll never i'll never forget it i mean it's one of, it was one of the most powerful things i've experienced in my entire life yeah. where like he's looking at me like his best friend you know we're like amazing friends and he just knows, like, there's nothing I can do to sway this guy from yeah. from going down the path that he's going down. He knew it. I knew it. And it was just like this this thing where it's just like an understanding, like, you know, so. Are you still friends with him to this day? I mean, I consider us friends till the day we die. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's it's this is like thing that like I, I, I would like to reach back out and just see how, you know, like as far yeah. as I'm aware, he's doing pretty good and stuff like that. But yeah, it's yeah. it's. It just went its course. And, it's, and, and I spent years of being so ashamed of myself and, and just not in a position to really be a good friend. Mm-hmm. And I knew that about myself for, for a long period of time. I just was not in a position to be a genuine good friend to people. So I was yeah. like, why would I even go out of my way to like resubmerge myself in someone's yeah. life when I, all I am, to be honest, was, was a burden. I was a sick person who was struggling yeah. big time. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean yeah man dude shout out for them for fucking for having the courage to do that too that's a good mm-hmm. friend that's a good friend. yeah dude. there was, there was quite person. a few of them too yeah but that 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 conversation never left me nice so good i mean glad that you like that i mean it's tough to have those experiences but i'm glad that you remember that and see it for what the value it really held so 
let's so let's keep it moving so like let's say like at this point you're in your 20s and you're a butcher right and you're mm-hmm. working at like a capital grill and a whole foods and you know like you started as a dishwasher there and then you were moved up to a butcher and on all that stuff so what kind of like 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 how are you living at this point like were you working and partying and like doing the thing like what was going on uh so this would be like your 20s early 20s yeah so basically uh college wasn't really an option for me like i got into college and it wasn't really something that could uh there was two things with it first of all i was i was a mess of a human being like i said i had no structure Same. or like 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 sense of direction as to what i was doing with my life um and I also didn't know what I wanted to do with my life as well, because I've never really had the stability to look at life and say, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. And I didn't believe in just dumping money out the window. So it was like this mutual breakup between me and the educational system where I was like, all right, we're just going to part our separate ways. And uh, I went about living my life. And um, yeah, it was cool because yep. uh, uh, last year I was able to, to call up the whatever federal loan company and they're like, you owe us 11,000. And I was like, see ya. You know, yeah. and I was very fortunate, right like very fortunate, you know, and, yeah. and, and it could have been, it could have been worse where I was sitting there pretending to be a student, <laughs> pretending to be someone who was serious about life at that time. And it's not yeah. because I didn't care. It's because I was just caught up in the mix, but, um, yeah. So my, my, uh, sister, she went to Penn state and changed her major eight times in the first two years of college. Yeah. So yeah. just basically wasted a hundred thousand dollars. Right. right. Like, right. Or, well, at that point it's probably 60,000, but still, so it's still it's a yeah. big and i mean and now look i yeah. had friends that in high school they were like i'm going to this college and i'm like well you're gonna do fine you know because they just had that structure and, and they, they just had that they yeah. had that 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 in in their nature <clears throat> yeah um but yeah i mean like i was i was pretty much like picking up random jobs and stuff like that and uh i was involved with uh, ju- the judicial system at this time of my life yeah um I, I went further down that rabbit hole that we touched on earlier um, into all kinds of different avenues and things. Um, but I was living in Norristown on main street. And I remember, I think I was working somewhere full-time and I can't remember where I was working, but I remember I just wanted to pick up part-time work yeah. and I didn't know the Capitol grill was like a, a, a nice establishment. Yeah. Like, like I, I wasn't really familiar with it. I just knew it was Same. behind the king. It was behind the king of Prussian mall. It was about <laughs> to open yeah. and they, they, they were hiring a dishwasher. So now something about me is that I've had numerous places and it was just like an easy thing. I'm like, dishwashing, it's cool. I can do it. I don't mind it. I actually enjoy it. And uh, they'd be like, you can be a sous chef. We'll pay you more money. And I would deny it. I would say, no, like I'd I'd honestly just like to keep the most simple. Like all I know is like this plate's dirty. I got to get it clean and I can do that. And I don't have to worry about anything else. And most of the time you're letting me listen to my own music. Yeah. Just rocking out clean and stuff so like i didn't mind it it was just like a very common thing you had your ipod shuffle going yeah mm-hmm. and uh so i actually went to that interview <laughs> I, I wore a suit and tie nice and uh i wore a suit and tie for the dishwasher position love it and uh and they gave me the job and, and they were like look we're, we haven't really officially opened yet we could use some help here i was like cool like i'm here to work like what do we got to do so we were setting up the kitchen and stuff like that and uh I was, I was really good at doing the dishes. So it was funny. They had this one guy who's a manager um, there. And uh, so I got the first ever, if, if anybody knows about the Capitol Grill, they give you gold stars. I got the first ever gold star at the King of Prussia location. And nice. there's, only like, there's only like maybe 50 Capitol Grills. There might be more now, but back then I think there was about 50 in the, in the nation. 
And, uh, but they may be, the, that manager at the time may be the lead dishwasher, okay. um, which I thought was funny because like these, these other guys, um, these other guys, like one guy was Greek. He was really cool. But he's like an older guy, he's like 45. And then there's yeah. like me. And like, at this time in my life, like I'm, uh, I'm still not like, uh, you know, I'm still Adjusted. not in the perfect life. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then there's like two Spanish guys, but they got to like call me and the scheduling and stuff like that. It was yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm like, leave yeah. dishwasher. Like, I guess I'll do it, but like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. And uh, so I was really good at doing that. And and the butcher that they had at the King of Prussia location, something happened to him. I don't even remember what happened. He might have quit or something, or he wasn't cut out for the job. And I remember they came back to me, and they were like, "Do you know anything about cutting meat?" I was like, what? I know a yeah. lot about beating. I was yeah. just gonna say, he's like, I'm a master beater. Yeah, I can Yo, beat some meat. I'll when they rise the shit out of it. Yeah. So when they said this to me, I literally wouldn't know. Like, if you took like uh, uh, a sirloin, a Delmonico, yeah. a, a porterhouse, yeah. uh, a filet mignon, I wouldn't know what any of that was. Literally, would have no clue. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know anything about like kitchens. Like I'm the guy that's eating like cold chicken patties out of the freezer. <laughs> I'm, not, like, I'm not you guys. You guys are making like amazing food from scratch. Yeah. You know, like I'm just not that guy. Yeah. I eat pop like, tarts every day. It's a whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you guys want to do it. And uh, they're like, well, we think you'll be good at it because you're very fast and you're very uh, precise. So, uh, within like a couple right. months like they took me back and they started training me and then uh it, like they call it a butcher but realistically you're a meat cutter um butcher butcher, butcher I mean, makes butcher, me meat butcher cutter. makes me sound like you could bring me a deer i'm like yeah no problem kid i'm gonna skin it i'm gonna gut it and yeah, i'm gonna turn yeah. it into jerky what right. do you want me to do with the tail of the deer kid yeah, nah, yeah it's not it was um you're, you're really a meat cutter but they call it a butcher and stuff like that and i did yeah. that for like a year and a half it was a pretty cool job it was in a freezer yeah um and uh you know i'll sit back there and i'll cut the cut the meat the funniest thing was so i was like a big fan of like 50 cent jay-z sure. Nas, biggie Tupac, like all gimmick. these rappers and um I, I i was fully embedded in that whole that whole uh, that was the scene. gimmick then though that was the gimmick and, back uh, then. so one thing that was cool about that position was that i could listen to my music and i they actually ended up giving me quite a few other positions so i did all the inventory for them so like i said capital grill um brings in all everything's from scratch that yeah. they do there so they get these orders in constantly and they got to make sure that everything's rotated in and out if there's anything that's going bad you get it out of there so they they made me the lead dishwasher they they <laughs> had me doing the inventory so anytime dishwasher like they were jammed up in dishes it'd be like a saturday night or a holiday they'd be like eric we need your help so i'll go out there and help them but then i was Damn. doing the, in the inventory for them and then i was cutting meat for them as well and Damn. uh look at you I would have my uh, I would have my rap music on. And and so I always told them. I, so sometimes they would do a walkthrough be like this nice family. They're coming out. They're taking their kids like you want to see the, the you know, it's like a steakhouse. So like you want to yeah. see the butcher. You want to meet the guy who beats the meat. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So they're like they're like, you would you like to see the butcher? And and like this <laughs> nice dressed family would oh. open up the freezer door and I'm blasting PD crack. Many men. <laughs> many, 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 many men. <laughs> and like, I got my dick, but my click on my drone. And I'm, I'm using a bandsaw and it's like, yeah. And I hear the door open and I just see this little family, these kids dressed up all nice. And I'm yeah. just blasting. Right like, here. it's that's where I'm communion. Communion. Bitch. Yeah. The, the beef, yeah. The, whatever, that whatever. Motherfucker. 
whatever slab of meat was on the bandsaw, zing, right yeah. to the wall. And I just immediately reach for the, uh, for the speakers. I turn them down. But that was a cool job. Um, nice. It, there, there was some weird stuff that happened, um, not with me, but uh, one of the employees was actually stealing uh, the tenderloins. <laughs> and they were stealing Shout the out tenderloins. Yeah, Listen, smart This dude. is crazy. This, yeah. this, this got so crazy. So again, I'm not like doing well in life at this time, right? And I'm not going to go into details, but like my life wasn't amazing uh, <laughs> right. by any means. And I'm still involved with some stuff. And uh, so they start, I, I weigh all the meat. So like I take a tenderloin, I put it on the scale, things come in, I have all the measure, like all the weight. So like we would get all this stuff in and I'm taking uh, the weights down and I'm documenting everything. So I start cutting everything and I'm like, <sighs> my yields are, are off for whatever reason. And I was really good with my yields at first. Like my numbers were great. So like out of all the capital girls, I was like a good butcher. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden my numbers are off. I'm like, what's up with this? I was like, something's going on here. So I brought it up like nonchalantly, like, yo, like I'm cutting, I'm cutting the same way I always cut. Something's up with the yields. It turns into this entire investigation where we're getting orders in. I have to take everything out, weigh it one by one, document it with the head chef or the sous chef supervising me. It's taking like an extra five hours every day to do this. Uh... Then if I have to use the bathroom, they had a padded lock on the freezer. So I have to actually walk out, tell the head chef, he locks it with the padded lock. I'll take a piss and then come back. Like, can I get back uh, to my workstation? Oh my God. Entire thing. Um, it was this entire thing. Dude. It was absolutely insane. They're like looking at me like, are you stealing tenderloins? And I'm like, no, I'm eating them right in front of your face. Like, I every, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I'm the butcher. Like, I walk in. Oh, and I want dude, a that's flaming the yon. best. Um, but uh, yeah, it was this crazy, crazy high stress thing. Yeah. Everybody was like accusing each other and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I left that job on bad terms. I was a great yeah. employee, but how I left was not, uh, not respectable. That's yeah, I shame. walked out on a holiday. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah they was it, it mother's it was, day it not, i don't know and honestly, oh, all right could have been ugh, oh but, uh, number one restaurant day of the year so there were three people there that knew how to cut steaks it was the head chef sous chef and me and then i was also doing the inventory and other stuff like that and look again i wasn't like spiritually fit by any means at this time yes. in my life but i was doing a lot of work and i was also getting you know I was dealing with all this crazy like investigation of yeah. these stakes and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. uh, I asked them, I said, like, yo, can I get a raise, man? Like I've been, I'm still making dishwasher wages. Like oh. I, they gave me like a, a 50 cent raise. I was like, yo man, like the only other people that can do my job are the head chef and the sous chef at, at this yeah. place. Like, yeah. come on, can I get a like, little bit? Cut a brother um, off. Yeah. I, I got resentful and, and, and walked yeah. out. That's how you do it. You got to take care of your employees. Otherwise they don't want to be there. That's a hundred percent. That's on them. Yeah. That's not on you. That's Damn on them. Right. They didn't, they didn't respect your work and that's on them. So, but, okay. So oh, go ahead. I, then I went and I worked at uh, whole foods, okay, which was a cool job, yeah. different type of work environment than I've ever worked in before. So yeah. I had the experience of quote being a butcher. Um, so I was familiar with that. And I knew that Whole Foods always looked like a decent place to work. I heard good things about it. And I went there. Um, so I worked in the meat department. And yeah. it was funny because they're looking at me and they're like, come on, man. Like, you don't know how to cut me. And I, I, I did. I showed them I did a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Let me show um, you how the bandsaw works. 
pocket. Actually, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So the funny Hell thing yeah, is, Bart. they were like, they were like, they were like, you don't know anything about this, blah blah blah. And and, and now, mind you, Whole Foods. There's a lot of people that come up from the city, um, but the culture is awesome of Whole Foods. Like very oh, down to earth yeah. people, straight shooters. Yeah. Um, awesome culture of uh, working at Whole Foods. The people are great. Yeah. Um, but I said to him, I was like, yeah, I could take the bandsaw apart and clean it. I was like, do you, do you take the band off? And they're like, like, take the band off. We don't even know how to do that. And I was like, oh, I was like, hold up. I took the band off, was able to take the whole band of the saw and turn it into a circle. And they're just looking at me yeah. like, what the heck? They're like, you were serious? I'm like, yeah, why would I lie about working at the Capitol yeah. Grill? Like, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Um, but that was that was cool life experience, man. I mean, they were, they were both, um, you know, the Capitol nice. Grill was like more than I understood it to be. It was a very yeah. professional place. Amazing yeah. food. The people were very professional. Yeah. Um, it was a different level of work environment than I've ever yeah. been in before. And Whole Foods was extremely respectable as well, because something a lot of people don't understand about Whole Foods is old school, old, old school Whole Foods uh they have a mentality so i've seen like employees at whole foods like get into it with customers and they basically like the old school mentality of whole foods was you shop here because we know what we're talking about that's why you come here and you spend more money and deal you know what i mean like we know what we're talking about and some of those people were insanely smart as far as nutrition and stuff is yeah they were really really dude and they've been ahead of the game for a while i agree whole foods fucks yeah they know what they're doing (laughs) they're and they're big on like they want to know. They want to know who has the best produce and the best poultry and the best damn, everything. Damn straight, Maddie. Yeah. So, okay. So let's keep it moving. So after you're done at Whole Foods, uh, you start working as a senior account executive for an internet marketing firm. Mm. You're working in Center City at like a, the public ledger building, right? And mm. you're working as kind of like a telemarketer. So you worked in this scenario. You worked in this area at a very unique time in your life. And you worked for a very unique boss. So can you kind of tell us what was going down here? Did you say the name of this company yet or no? No. Okay, good. I'm not going to say it. Don't. Um, I will. No, don't say it. Don't say it. No, I said. uh, Because it puts me in an awkward situation. Like I have a lot of good good respect with people. And like, that's why like I'll never talk bad about the Capitol Grill or Whole Foods, great, uh, great establishments. I, the um, only thing I said is that it was at the public ledger building. Do you, that's fine. That's right. fine. Which that's there's 600 companies in that building. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, uh, so this was, this was a fascinating job. So actually, uh, I can't even say how I got it because it'll just put it out there. But anyways, I got this job through someone I'm close to and uh, it's a senior account executive, but uh, as with most jobs, especially in sales, something that I found is that uh, you get all kinds of labels that make you sound super fly. Yeah, and, that's office and, jobs like, in general. Um, but yeah, no, so we're senior account executive for an internet marketing firm. And like, instead of uh, SEO, we called it online reputation management. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a fascinating work environment. So at this time in my life, I was uh, deeply involved in uh the the streets of of a certain section of of philadelphia let's just say like that um like i said before like i went i went deep down the rabbit hole of like alcohol drinking drugs and partying um and so i you know i get this job and someone's trying to help me out like hey man like come work this job i think you'll be decent at it we're basically making uh cold calls to people and trying to sell them seo right um 
the environment, the, the work environment was this. I'm dressing in a suit and tie, taking a train or driving in to Center City, Philadelphia at the public ledger building. Which is, is that like, is that, what's like a six landmark? Like Chestnut. All right. Chestnut. Literally, my office looked out over the Liberty Bell. Okay. I was just going to say that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So you're really like old city-ish area, like down there. Okay. So you're getting all the way down there every day and yep. you're suit and tie, done up to the nines, looking professional, working in an office and you go to this office and what's going down? What is the SEO first? What the fuck are you search, saying? I'm search, search engine optimization. Okay. Okay. So like Google AdWords. Like uh, what we want to be. Know. Like when people Google working perspectives, we want to be the optimized. Like we want to be okay. the optimal. We want to be the Got best it. thing. Because like almost 100% of people never go to the second page of a Google search. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. You're basically creating digital assets and then driving traffic through them, strengthening them so that Google's algorithms will pick up on that asset. So when people mm -hmm. search for certain things, mm -hmm. um, to, to briefly summarize it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would Usually walk into don't. this, I would walk into this place and there's like, you know how they like, you go on a TV or like cable and it's like, it has like the music channels. Yeah. It would be like Tiesto radio or something like that. Mm -hmm. Blasting, like absolutely blasting so loud that when I was on some of my calls trying to be like a professional, uh, senior account executive, I would have to get up from my little like cubicle section and go walk <laughs> down to like the other section of the floor to try to get away from the blasting techno <laughs> music that was like insanely loud. We had all the, so you could drink as many Red Bulls as you want. That was like one of the things. Oh, it's Wolf have, on Wall Street. It, yeah. Listen, I, I almost feel, and I don't even know, I feel like they like told us to watch that or like had us watch that. Like that was exactly <laughs> what we're dealing with. That kind of environment, 100 million percent. Hell um, yeah. And there's like, oh, you can have all the Red Bulls you want and all the like peanut butter crackers. They like the weirdest snacks. <laughs> I was like, peanut butter. I was like, what is this, the daycare? Like, this is just bizarre to me. Um, so it was, it was crazy. There was like old time sales guys that looked like they stepped off of like Wall Street that were there. They're like old school. They're all cocky with their feet up and the tie on and they're, they're doing their deal. Then there's like me. I'm just trying to finagle somebody into buying this stuff. The prices were extremely inconsistent. He had like an algorithm we were supposed to develop their, um, their we called it a campaign. Okay. And the algorithm would like spit out the most ridiculous number. <laughs> You'd be like, sign up. It's $24,000. And it's $12,500 every month after that. And then, and then the people were like, wait, what? Like this was, this was like early 2000s so seo and, and online reputation management wasn't that big at the time and google it, wasn't as big as it like yeah yeah it didn't I mean, run it was, the world no, yet it was, yeah it kind of did it was definitely on its way but um yeah the funniest thing about this job was that so when i first started working there i don't really know what i'm doing but i've been like vaguely trained and stuff like that we did the little training and in the lead system they had like senators and 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 things like that like people that like work uh in washington dc on there and they i didn't know this but they were just like examples so i so i didn't know that so i actually was like pursuing it and next thing you know i'm like calling uh dc i was like calling like a like some kind of representative's office like a senator or something's office this lady who had some some personal stuff going on in her life and I actually got through 
like two secretaries and they're like, well, hold on, because I was just tricky with my wordplay. Like I would just call them <laughs> by the first name. It would be like a senator. I'd be like, yeah, is is Cindy there? You know, yeah. and they'd be like, who's yeah. this? And I would say it so confidently, like, what do you mean? Tell her Eric's on the phone. And then they would like <laughs> push me through to the next person. And then they could the uh, the owner of the company was actually listening to the phone calls. And one day he comes by. He's like, yo, who are you talking to right now? And I pointed to the screen. And he hangs up my phone. He's like, yo, he's like, you're not. He's like, dude, this, those were just examples. He's like, I just went to this. I'm like, I could have closed that deal. Like, what are you talking about? How big this is? He's like, dude, yeah. like, never call any like uh, politician again. Yeah, like, don't call any like high ranking league, official. Yeah. But um, it, it was kind of crazy. So and, and this guy, this, your boss, he's mm-hmm. blaring like, like, so you're in an office setting and I've been in a ton of them. Where like, if you're like a loud person, people are kind of like annoyed by you in a way, like, you know, whatever. And like your cube mate can be whatever. But this guy, he's blaring like techno music at like the top, like as it's loud as hell while you guys are making phone calls to clients, right? Or potential customers. Mm -hmm. And like so loud that you have to leave your desk to continue the conversation, right? Like, why was he doing that are you allowed to say uh um if you're not because he's a fucking idiot no 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 he was having some experiences yeah he was having some experiences all i could say like he was using the bathroom as much as i was (laughs) and that's Uh, not that's not you know what i mean like you're not right 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 you're you're doing some stuff chopping uh, it up in the bathroom yeah let's just say he was enjoying that techno music more than anybody else yeah he was (laughs) really uh, he was really like absorbed by it he he was seeing the techno music yeah um which was an entire other like story if anyone wants to hit me up directly i'll tell you what happened yeah you can find him on his only fans to hear the story (laughs) that that was me like the butcher it was, it right. was an interesting story with that with that guy. So let, let's keep it going then. So from there, right, you become a project manager, right? And this is after going mm-hmm. through like several trials and tribulations in your life and while dealing with like all these internal demons and things like that. Mm-hmm. If you'd want to speak on them, that's fine. If not, it's not a big deal. And then now you're you go, your brother gets you a job. Like you've you've been up and down left and right with your demons and you're you're starting to kind of find yourself and 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 be clean and live a clean healthy life and your brother's like hey i got this job do you want to step up here uh it's another sales job right and or another job in sales and you know he wants to know if you want to step in and and see how you can do and how did that work out so at this time in my life uh, which, which this was a couple of years ago. Um, I have been like up until that point, a couple of years ago, I had been trying to clean up my life, you know? Right. So, so uh, seeking help, uh, trying to figure out how I can, can, can manage and control my life or, or what that's going to look like. And um, eventually I got involved with a program and, and people who live a certain way. And uh you know, my life has been amazing. You know, I was able to finally surrender to something different and, and take some suggestions and be open-minded. And I had a degree of willingness that allowed me to yeah. experience some things. And I had little moments of success along the way. Um, yeah. Of like, you know, like breakthroughs here and there, right? Breakthroughs here and there. And like, I try to like do it and then, and then I have setbacks and I'm like, man, this is crazy. But um, yeah, my younger brother actually saw a change in me a, a couple of years ago. 
and basically was like, yo, man, like I got this job and, and it's crazy. And uh, I think you'd be really, really good at it. Um, and at, at this time in my life, I'm, I'm a little, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, they're giving me a company vehicle, a company cell phone. Like, that's a lot for, for me. I'm, I, I had to like pray about it. I had to like think to myself, okay, like this is a, a certain degree of, of uh, responsibility. responsibility. And yeah. I'm used to messing up every half a year, yeah. year, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I have this fear inside of me, like, am I going to be able to go and, and, and pursue this? Like, what does yeah. this look like? So I had to yeah. pray that fear away. Um, but yeah, I got involved with that company. Uh, you know, Alex trained me, they trained me. And, and Alex, your brother. Alex, my younger brother. Yeah. So they trained me and I got involved. Shout out with that. Young Zeblum. Yeah, dude. And, uh, you know, they trained me and 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 kind of showed me this thing and as soon as i saw what it was which was like a lot of math yeah. um a lot of problem solving yeah. a lot of talking to people and interacting with people yeah um communication and yeah. organizational skills yeah uh i absolutely thrive uh, yeah. alex was the number one salesperson in the company before i got there um my first year there Alex broke the company record the one month. Then I followed up and broke it the next month. I set all the company records in my first, first, year with first the sales. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the work that we that that Did we got that, involved in. So like you're saying, like going into it, you're nervous because like you people like your brother's putting his neck on the line for you, giving getting you this hookup and and like you've had some situations before where you've let some people down and and you're just yep. you don't want to let anyone down and you don't want to like find yourself going back into the hole that you just really st- like like really worked hard to to climb out of. And in this situation, you would face your fear, right? And you would mm-hmm. take it head on and then you would find success when facing your fear. Did that help you like re reaffirm and like reassure yourself as to like, okay, I'm doing the right thing here. I can, I can do this. I can stay healthy. I can stay clean and, and I can do this for myself and, and I can, I can make this work. Did that like, did success help motivate you to stay on the right path in that situation? Um, I've always been motivated by success to, to do the right thing and, and succeed. In life. Like, I, like yeah. I'm very competitive. I've always wanted, and, and that actually was a curse to a certain degree because I was self-reliant for most of my life. Um, so up to this point, all I know is self-reliance. Oh, we're down by, we're down by six. Let me get the ball. Give me the, I don't <laughs> care. Get, give me the ball. Um, yeah. you know, anything like that, like very self-reliant, very like, that's just how I was. Um, and yeah, my, my, a lot of people tried to help me, especially my family and people close to me, like up into my, tw- throughout my twenties. And, uh, there was a ton of fear there. It was definitely a key component to confronting the fear and learning how to do that. But the first thing I had to do is realize that I couldn't, I couldn't live life on my own self-reliance, you know? So I, I tapped in like a higher power. People had to break it down to me. I was raised as a Christian so when yeah. people started talking to me about a higher power or God or this concept, this idea of this and what that looks like, I'm just immediately I go to my default setting, which to me was like I grew up Lutheran, you know. Um, so people broke it down to me at like a more simple, um, absorbable, uh, it, 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 like an easier way. You know, they, yeah. they kind of simplified it for me. And, uh, you know, so I started practicing that prior to this moment. So I started mm-hmm. practicing getting involved with this new lifestyle and things like that. I had people like a fellowship of people that I, that I affiliate with and, yeah. and, and people who mentor me. 
So I was already working on getting rid of other fears and things like that. So, but it was a key component to actually taking that leap and moving forward and getting involved with the company. Um, and then once I did, like I said, I excelled, but it was, a, it's a continual thing. Like still to yeah. this morning, I wake up, I go to my knees and I, and I, and I pray, I try yeah. to tap into a higher power than me because I tried to do this my own way or tried to rely on money or other people to help me through this my whole life. Yeah. And it never worked out for me. Yeah. And eventually I was open-minded to that other thing. And uh, that's been working out great for me. So I still practice oh, yeah. that. Good for you. Um, Good. And I could go into details about all this stuff. Um, that job, though, just to give you guys all an understanding of what that job is. So the niche industry that we were in, that we got involved in, and that, we're, that I'm still in today is um, dealing with uh, hail and wind damage uh, on people's homes. So basically, we're a roofing, siding, and gutter company. And uh, if, if a hailstorm or a windstorm occurs, Usually uh, wind isn't covered in a normal policy, right? Like in a normal home. Depending how good your agent is, well, like, it could be. Well, well like and uh, like a standard homeowner's policy doesn't include wind. Don't you have to add it as an endorsement? Isn't that right? Most policies actually have it. Oh, all um, right. Now, the tricky thing is, so I'm, so I'm not, not going to beat around the bush. I'm very, very, very good at what I do. And- there's a lot of one thing to be mindful of is that everybody's policies are different. So you yeah. could have Erie insurance, your neighbor could yeah. have Erie insurance and you could have completely different policies. Yeah. So when you get into the coverages and things like that, some companies also in this industry will give you like a cookie cutter answer. Like, Oh, yeah. you got this damage. It's getting all, everything's getting bought. And that's not yeah. necessarily the truth. Um, the other thing is knowing what's actually considered damage. So insurance companies are constantly looking for ways to minimize minimize their out-of-pocket expense right. uh now someone like myself i come out i do free inspections to determine whether or not it's justifiable to establish an insurance claim if i find if i feel that it is and there's a couple of different factors the degree of the damage uh the insurance company that you have uh, a policy with and um also what area you live in so that actually can play a role to a certain degree yeah. Uh, with certain companies because different adjusters have different territories and things like that. It's kind of weird. But, um, you know, if I, if I find it's reasonable to, to call on an insurance claim, like I could see a lot of people look at wind damage. They say, look, a missing shingle wind damage. That's not necessarily the case. If a shingle is creased, that's considered, that's considered wind damage. And what happens is oftentimes is that shingles will get blown up, flap in the wind, and then actually resettle because they have that tar strip underneath on a hot day even though it got blown up in the winter from that, that windy winter storm, yeah. it'll go back down in the summer. It reseals and it might re stay resealed for the entirety of its life, which could be upwards of like 25, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, when I inspect the roof, I'm looking for all of these little things. I can see little creases where I say, okay, this was flapping in the wind at one point. It's considered a damaged shingle. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating industry. Ooh, oh, insurance on a whole is absolutely fascinating. People don't know, like, I'm in insurance myself and it is absolutely fascinating. And like, it is forever evolving, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone now is eventually going to have what's like home cyber protection or just like service line or like home systems protection, right? Where you're going to have like a part of your insurance policy that covers all of your electronics because eventually your house is going to be run by electronics, right? Mm -hmm. Like, your security, your doorbell, your doors, your alarms, like like your garage door, your everything is going to be run by electronics. And eventually it's going to go if you have an electronic car, 
right? And then like, event, you know, like all these different types of things are going to all circle into one like aspect. So to jump ahead of that and stuff like it's just, like just to be said, insurance is a fascinating industry. I know it gets a bad rap because like some insurance agents, but it is really, really intricate and it does have a lot of interesting things. So sorry, Eric, go ahead. So you like, do you jump up on the roof and like climb the ladder and you're looking at the houses and like what's going yeah. on there? Yeah, actually we do. We, um, I hop up on the roofs. I, the first thing I do is, you know, it's like someone calls me like, Hey, Eric, can, can, can you inspect my property? Or some people aren't even aware of the fact that insurance might cover uh, some of the things on their property. Sometimes people call me like, can, can you give me an estimate for my roof? Yeah. And I'll say, yeah, sure. I'll stop out. I'll take a look at some things. And, and I'm always looking for the insurance angle because it's, first of all, if it's, it, if it's something that this person's paying a lot of money for every month, um, and it's within their policy, it's justifiable. Yeah. Um, second of all, it's, it's less money for them, you know? Yeah. So I'm always trying to help people. Um, I, I can't say take advantage, but literally they're, util- they're paying every month to have but, that. And like, they do, like, they don't know that they have these, like, they don't these, know they have this, the damage. So, yeah. And like, they and don't know that this is possible. Like they're, they're paying for it and not using it. And yep, you're right. kind of just smartening them up. Like, bro, like you can, like, this is all available to you yeah, for what exactly. you like, get your money's worth. Like, yeah, yeah. This, this is what you pay for every month. People are like, man, you're making the rates right. go up. I'm like, if it, if they have a problem with it, why don't they take it out of the policy coverage? Like when yeah. your agent signs you up, just say, you know what? You're not covered for hail and wind damage, you know, but like they go that angle because they know it's one of the things that they, that people that need. People sleep um, on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the insurance companies, like I said, like I, I deal with insurance companies every Every day. Look, not everybody yeah. that works with an insurance company is bad by any means. I met great adjusters. Yeah. Some of yeah. the companies are awesome to work with. Yeah. But in general, they're not looking to pay out. So yeah, I'll go out on inspect no. the property. I'll yeah, no. I'll go no. out on inspect the property. I'll walk the perimeter. Um, I'm very good at finding uh the damage uh, by just knowing what to look for, how to look for it, um, everything like that. And then eventually I'll just set up my ladder real quick, go up on yeah. the roof, and I I mean. I can do an inspection in like five minutes. Damn. It's really, really quick and easy for me. I know exactly what to look for. Yeah. I have, yeah. Uh, I have special shoes that I wear if it's like a steeper slope roof. Uh, the kitty cat claws. Cougar, cougar paws. Cougar paws. <laughs> yeah. Love it. And then, uh, and then, and you know, I'll take pictures. So if I find something that's wrong, I take a couple of pictures. People think that I'm taking the documentation for um, the insurance company. I do that, but that's typically on the later end. Yeah, um, but you're, what I'm asking, you're like you're taking documentation to present to the insurance, exactly. right? Okay. Uh, no, 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 not not on my initial inspection. Okay. So what I actually do on the initial inspection, my big thing, and 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 one of the key components to my success is that I'm very big on educating the policyholder to what's Smart. actually going on the entire yeah. process because I don't want to sit there and be like that guy's just like calling a claim. Everything's everything's destroyed on your house. Yeah. I'll actually present the information to them and educate them on the process yeah. and explain everything ext- like very, very, very thoroughly. Yeah. Um, as a result of doing that, first thing I do is if somebody else walks up to their house and a majority of people in this industry are very like gung-ho, like fast sales, boom, boom, boom. They're just like, absolutely not. Because Eric sat here for two hours explaining everything to me thoroughly. Yeah. So now you just sound like an idiot. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, and it helps them to is, point out like the, the scammers and yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is I want I want people to be comfortable in this process. I'm not trying yeah. to like use smoke and mirrors to trick somebody into calling an insurance claim. And yeah. I also want them to have an active say and involvement in the process as well. So like yeah. I'll show them what I'm looking at and and just educate them on what it is. And then I'll, I'll, I'll have like a mutual conversation with them. Like, Hey, look, I think it's a good idea. That's my suggestion, but like yeah. you can do whatever you want. Um, and yeah. sometimes people don't do it. And then sometimes people are calling me in, in Pennsylvania, you have one year to establish and file an insurance claim in regards to hail and wind damage. Mm-hmm. Some companies are only uh, six months, like 180 days. So, you know, I walk them through all that. If they want to file an insurance claim um, I'll help them with that process. I know a lot of these adjusters. I know a lot of these third-party guys. So there's times when an adjuster gets a claim across his desk and he sees it's me. He's like, yo, Eric, email me the pictures. Yeah. So they know, he knows too that like, like you've worked with so many adjusters and they, and they know like when you're sending something in, it's real, right? Like you're not trying to send in some bullshit. So he's like, all right, well, this guy's not going to lie. Fucking throw it in. What do you got? You know, kind of thing. I'm ridiculously honest. I'm I'm very honest. I'm very straight. Honesty is the the best policy when it comes to sales. And I think that, You'll find this with most like of the of like the best salesmen. Honesty is the best policy. Honest and educate. I think you have it right. And I think that's part of your success, man. And I'm happy, yeah. dude. I'm really happy for you, man. And I, you know, like we've crossed paths a couple of times in the years since high school. Not too many. But I, you know, like from to see you go from where you were to where you are now, I couldn't be fucking happier for you, man. And I'm so like proud of you and happy that you were able to figure it out and like that you're you're fighting with your like that you're you're you know like using your faith to get back and you have a you know you have a wife and you know you're building a family and a life and like you it took a lot of courage and a lot of guts and like a lot of like you know a lot of hard hardship to get through to where you want to be my dad is saying he would say that everyone wants to go to heaven but no one wants to go through hell to get there right Mm. and you legit had to go through hell to get to where you're at now living your best life being strong being healthy and being right like right in your mindset and i'm dude couldn't be more happy for you and like just really thankful for you to come on and share your story uh i know that we're coming to the top of time and usually we're all on the same page as this but you know if you'd be willing we would love to have you back on the show yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean uh, it's it's funny because I knew I knew I knew this was gonna be this way. I knew we were gonna come up against the time, even in the second segment. Yeah. I just knew because there's so many, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But, yeah, um, and we yeah, could even I, have I a whole know. show on just like getting deeper into your story. You know what I mean? Like getting yeah. deep into the struggles. Yeah, I'd be but, happy to talk about it, man. And, okay. and yeah, I've been through a lot. It's been there's been a, a lot of stuff that's going on, and, and my life is incredible today like you kind of touched on i just bought a house i just got married my wife is pregnant with identical twin boys mm-hmm. so um i'm, I'm actively involved with my friends today and building yeah. my friendships back uh yeah. i have great friendships in my family as well and uh and you're doing you know, all and, that living clean yeah and i'm the director of operations now with another company that my younger brother started yeah. uh doing what i did at the last company um so i'm overseeing that whole company do you want uh do you want like we can shout out like where people can contact you we'll have like your contact info in the description for like if someone wants to reach out to get an inspection done by you is that cool um yeah 100 percent. people can do that 
uh, more importantly than, than my line of work and, and, and everything like that is if, if anybody knows somebody that's struggling with, uh, any kind of sub, so any kind of, uh, alcoholism, or even if you think maybe it's alcoholism or substance abuse, um, suicide, uh, yeah. suicidal tendencies and things like that. Um, I would be more than happy to talk to anybody. Um, and, and furthermore than that, I have an entire community of people, um, like, like a fellowship of, of great people, uh, that I could plug them in with and introduce them to a new way of life. I I've overcome a lot of stuff. I didn't really go into details, but, um, anybody that, you know, or if you have a loved one, a friend or family member or something like that, absolutely hit me up and I can point them in the right direction. If not, uh, walk side by side with them myself. Yeah, no, dude, that's, and we'll have all your, all the information where people can contact you and reach out and dude, that's, you're doing, you're doing a great thing, like giving back. And I know it's because partially like you want to help and like you want to give back to support and, and make the world a better place. And that's a great thing. And the world needs people like you. And I mean, you know, I'm just happy you're on our side, pal, you yeah. know, <laughs> so you guys are on my side. <laughs> hey, right back at you, buddy. So we're coming to the top of time uh, before we get out of here. Easy. Anything you want to say to the easy faithful out there? Oh man. Uh, Listen, guys, if you have poison ivy, take the proper <laughs> steps to uh, getting rid of that ASAP. Yeah. Um, and, and otherwise, don't be whacking your stem. Don't be a meat beater. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, all right, then. Well, strong stem. Anything you want to say before you get out of here and blaze one with old Tommy? Yeah, listen, this shit got real at the end. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be real with it. Uh, there's very few men on this planet that I love like a brother. Eric's one of them. Like, I'm real close with his family. I love this kid to death. Like, he'd be my own blood. Yeah. And uh, me and Eric kind of walked through some tough shit. Same type of story, you know, with some, yeah. you know. And uh, I'm not a religious person. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I'm not a great religious person. But I do believe, like, in the stupid phrase that God only gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. Yeah. And... To know some of the shit that, you know, you've overcome is uh, it's fucking inspiring, to be honest. Yeah. It's fucking inspiring to yeah. know a guy can, you know, be as, as high as he is now and, you know, keep moving forward no matter what life deals to you, no matter yeah. what kind of shit storm you got. There was never a never a moment where it was like, it's a pity me or a pity that it was like, nah, just get through it. Keep moving. Keep yeah. your nose to the fucking ground and keep going. And it'll get better. Yeah. And, you know, for people out there struggling and shit, like you said. It, it, it can happen. I know the statistics suck, but the shit does happen. You just got to yeah. want it, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And it's honestly, man, it is like, it's in a very inspiring story. I couldn't agree more. 100% you know, yeah. Agree. yeah. So Jalen Dove, that's great of you to say, Steve. And I think everyone, everyone yeah. agrees with that, Eric, and you should be very proud of what you've done. And it's an amazing accomplishment. And I know and not to, not to, not to breeze lightly over it, but there was points in my life where I was at the lowest points. One of the few people that I was there was Bart, you know? Yeah. So that's the type yeah. of person you're dealing with. Yeah. Not, yeah. You like, cause you, it does take sometimes like you do need to focus on yourself, but having the wherewithal to use that time and, and help others. That's just, you know, it's inspiring oh, stuff, man. Inspiring stuff. You're a great person. And Jalen Dub, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm right on board, man. Anytime I see Bark, I'm happy, yo. And I've 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 struggled the same as most of these kids, yo. And it's an example setter, and I uh, I appreciate yeah. the fucking all of them. Yeah, hell yeah, love it, love it, nice. Well, all right, well, this has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by Jalen Dub, Justin Richardson, Strong Stem Steve Gabbett, and our guest, 
for Easy E Part 2 was Eric Zeblin. You can find all our stuff and all our content on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can have us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can join us on Twitter and TikTok at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. And please go to Leave Me the Hell Alone and like and subscribe so my wife just stops giving me shit about this. This has been the Working Perspectives Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stick around for the ad read. Thanks. See ya. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, P is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.